Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I'm Jessica. Welcome back to the show. Episode 40. This is exciting. Woo. We've really come far. Yeah, we're getting close to episode 50. It's true. Dang. We'll have to do something special for that. We will. We'll have to do a big, cool thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, let's see, this time we're covering a, uh, mage specialization, and of course, as customary, we had folks vote on our social media. We had a interesting looking race. It was close for a couple of them, and that poor keeper was far behind. None of you have vision. Hmm. We'll cover the, we'll cover the cool specialization later. Yeah. Sort of, I mean, just saying. Uh-huh. Just saying, keepers, guys. I was actually... So there are eight of you <laughs> who are cool. Everybody else, I don't know, man. I don't know. I was actually surprised to see the shapeshifter get that much love. Me too, actually. But it is a really, really... Like, honestly, it's, they're it's all really cool. So. Yeah. Uh, but this time, the winner was the Force Mage. I'm honestly pretty excited to talk about the Force It's pretty Mage. cool. The Force Mage is pretty awesome. It is. It is. So, that's what we're going to be covering in our main topic. But first, uh, a quick shout-out to our friends at the D20 Radio uh, Network. We've got a new podcast on the D20 Radio family. It's called The Dice Pool Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the newly released Genesis book, uh, Fantasy Flight's brilliant narrative dice system, but made setting neutral. Fantasy Flight's narrative dice system got its start with the Star Wars RPGs they've been producing, and we can verify that it is quite a lot of fun to have the dice help you tell an exciting story. We have been having a good time with that particular mm-hmm. uh, game. Yeah. Uh, join hosts GM Hooley, GM Huzz, GM Flano, GM Caitlin. <laughs> Flano, I hope I said that right. As they take you on journeys through a variety of different genres made possible by the Genesis RPG and offer tips, tricks, and advice in running your games through this amazing system. So go check them out. Sounds good. They've got their first episode out now, and let's see. Uh, You should go check them out. They're a good time. We've got no news for you this week in Thetis, unfortunately. We'll keep our ears to the ground. Um, But I think we should go ahead and consult that codex. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. We've got plenty to talk about today. Uh, Mm -hmm. This first one, uh, we've been sitting on it for a little while, uh, from Kalmat on the Green Running Forums, uh, and also through our our Facebook. Uh, We got the questions in both places, and for those of you who joined us on the forums, you probably had this question, uh, you've already seen this question already, but we we told them that we would take a shot at it, so we're going to do it. So, and we're going to run down this and answer it as we go, because Kamat gave us like eight questions all in one, and they're all pretty quick to answer, so we're just going to go for it, and it's a good discussion to have. So, after listening to the latest and ever excellent, oh thank you. Uh, episode episode of the Wonders of Thetis podcast, I was struck by something. I feel like it's strange that Tevinter doesn't know about how the Templars neutralize magic. This seems silly for a couple of reasons. Uh, Personally, I don't think it's, we don't, we don't think it's very silly. Well, I I think it would be silly to assume that they don't know about it. I I think they, I think they know perfectly well. I think that's why they choose not to have that in their lives. Uh, Number one, the White Divine has called for four separate exalted marches against the Imperium. You mean to tell me that no Templars were involved in any of those battles, or no record ever existed? 
I am certain that they brought all the Templars for it. Because they heard all those folks in the north had lots of mages. And yep. there's nothing better to bring to a, to a mage fight than a Templar. Yep, I'm quite certain that the that the Tevinter uh, Imperium... I'm sure they remember. ...knows a great deal about the uh, magic negating abilities of the Templars and have experienced them and are... Hence, extremely interested in making sure that they stay as far away from their, you know, mage-run country as possible. Uh Uh, Number two, it seems to me, as a scary jerk mage, that I might try to go out of my way to learn about what things can, things that can counter my scary jerk mage powers. Kind of the same answer as number one. Like, some of these hinge on the idea that they don't know it, and I'm pretty sure they all know it pretty well. They know it quite well, which is why they are as far away from them as possible. Uh, they say that Imperial Templars are essentially the cops and that Altuses will rat each other out to them. Definitely. Uh, but if they can't neutralize magic, it seems to me they'll kind of crap at stopping mages. Are we to assume the Templars led by the cha- are led by the Chantry Fathers? Uh, well, first, yes, Chan- Templars are definitely run by fathers because it's patriarchal instead of matriarchal mm-hmm. in, in, in Tevinter. Um, and absolutely the Templars don't have magic-canceling powers. They would never, ever want that any of that anywhere near them. Yeah, so they are kind of crap at stopping mages. They're not really yes. there to be good at their job. They're there to be a political tool. Right. The, if we're all honest with ourselves. Right, because it's more like, if a mage fights against the Templars, then in Tempvinter that means you're pretty much admitting guilt. And that means that your fellow neighbors can come and accuse you of blood magic and take oh, yeah. you out. Suddenly, and, they're in Maleficar. They fought against the Templars. Shock. And then it's they'll sort of like, oh, I get to take them out. They're, they're bad guys. I'm a good guy. I get to, I get to do that now. So four, four scars and sh- four scars fluttered in shock out of five. Oh jeez. Yeah, they. I think they serve more as a political litmus test than anything definitely. else. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Uh, the number four. The existence of Fenris means that the mages of Tevinter experiment on Lyrium. No one's ever accidentally stumbled on it on like Templar powers. Um. Probably not. It's probably a very guarded secret that the white that the chantry in the south keeps. Mm-hmm. And even then, the Tevinters probably would want absolutely nothing to do with it. Even if they they might know about it, they might try to suppress knowledge of it. Yeah, I mean, best best case scenario, you end up you know with one person who's got soldiers who can cancel magic, yeah. and inevitably those soldiers who can cancel magic turn on the person, or oh, yeah. at least in the Tevinter Altus mind, exactly. inevitably those soldiers turn on the person who uh, controls them and takes take them out. Why wouldn't they? I mean, if you walk, if two guys, one with full plate and one with magic, walk into a fight and the guy with full plate can turn off the other guy's magic, he's still well, a dude in full plate with battle training and the other guy's just a dude with a stick. And the vast majority of Altus don't seem to be governing with the good of the common people as the thing in the forefront of their minds. If they were, that could be a different story. Right. But they're not. But they're so not. it's not. And even then, you could Man, probably place. very easily see uh, corruption among the Templar ranks being like, why should we listen to anything these mages have to say? We can just tell them to stop using magic. Yeah, that, so that's so, very unlikely. Right. Uh, the fact that non-mages have become magisters means that one must have, or else why mention it? Uh, I feel like such an individual must have had some kind of protection for magic. Maybe? I mean, there are ways to protect yourself from uh, magic. Probably more but... of a social protection than anything right. else. I'm was... guessing that anyone who made it there is probably 
I mean, whether or not they have merit, they're probably only there because someone with magic thought it would be beneficial for them to be there. Correct. And when that person stopped wanting them to be there, that person was no longer protected and probably got ousted pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very exclusive club in the Magisterium. Yep. Frankly, if you don't have magic, you are a tool on the chessboard for the pretty people much. with the magic. You being on the t- on the Magisterium is kind of a miracle, but likely an engineered one. Yes, very heavily engineered miracle. Um, Kamat continues. To me, one of two things makes more sense. One, that while not all Imperial Templars learn how to neutralize magic, some surely must in order to be effective for their jobs. Maybe commanders or sergeants? No. Well, we already kind of answered that one. Uh, two, that powerful Altus probably have on retainer a trusted servant or two who are trained in neutralizing magic. No Altus has ever no. trusted a servant that much. Never. Get him away from me. Uh, P.S. Also strange, the, the Kunari have both gifted alchemists, evidenced by the existence of Gatlock and Kamek, and paranoid about magic. How come they don't have anti-magic specialists like the Templars? Or maybe they do. Haven't finished Inquisition or its DLC. Uh, I think one of the reasons that they might not have anti-magic special like Templar abilities is because Lyrium itself is also a pretty, you know, kind of, you know, wooji magic thing. Right, yeah. That's just weird. Uh, they're, the Kunari are going to be about as comfortable with that as they are with the magic itself. So right. ingesting enough of that sort of substance to become addicted to it, which is kind of a large part of yeah, becoming, becoming a templar, a templar that's that that's, that's pretty far that's pretty far out of the way of the kuhn and right actually more importantly the kuhn probably doesn't list any methods of that nature probably and not. hence why would they do it it's not in the kuhn right, it's not in the kuhn it doesn't further the kuhn. clearly then it, you know nothing anything that's not in the kuhn mm. is wrong oh absolutely right you know we appreciate those guys templars helping us out maybe but we're still going we'll to fi- show them we'll but we're still going to later. fix them later so, I mean, yeah, and uh, well, if you play the one of the one of the DLCs, you might get some contradicting answers, but check it out and see for yourself. Um, specifically, the Trespasser DLC, it's really good. You should yeah, probably play it. We're still we're still not gonna spoil yeah, it. Still not gonna spoil. Still not gonna spoil it. Just Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age Two are fair game. Uh, so thank you, Kamat, uh, and I believe you've already got some follow-up questions for us. We're ready for the next episode. We've got them. We've got them on the docket. We're ready for them next time. Sounds uh, so, good. Yeah. So thank you much. Uh, next is our ever-present friend Andy Klosky, uh, <laughs> who through our email backlog has asked us: One of my players in an earlier campaign was highly interested in rune crafting. Have any of your players approached this talent? Have they created any new or variant runes with the templates provided in the core book? With and... a different character, I would be super down for these oh, things. Oh, yeah. They're really cool. That said, I am the only mage in the party, and I have no interest in becoming tranquil, and no one else is a dwarf. Right. So, so it doesn't really work for our party, although that does not mean to say that we haven't come into contact with runes at all. Oh, yeah. I've, uh, when they were in Deventer, I let them purchase a couple runes for their weapons and armor that had rune slots. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we would love to do an episode on rune crafting later. We're going to... Yeah, funny you should mention that. Mm-hmm. Funny you should mention it, Andy. Uh, we don't have much experience with runes yet, but we'd like to change that once we do a rune crafting episode, and maybe we'll make some new runes, or, uh, and see, maybe adapt some for the video games for that episode's Distant Verses. It maybe could be fun. we'll all chat about it. Maybe it'll be right. Maybe you'll be on the show. Who you knows? might be on that episode. You know, Who can say? Chances are you just might be. So, of course, thank you, Andy. Uh, exciting things to come. Hope you'll join us. Uh, and next, from the ever-present as well, Parsifal. Hi again. Hey there. Uh, on the Green Ronin forums. 
uh, asked us two questions. Firstly, is it true that the Force Mage specialization is the most in most aligned with the unpublished Rift Mage? What could be done to make a Rift Mage specialization, do you think? I know there's an unofficial one on your website under the resources section, and there is. I went ahead and looked it up. It was made by, uh, goodness, I think it's like Kudosudan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still on there. You can still go to it. The thread is still there, and uh, it hasn't been up. It hasn't been changed much, and it's it's pretty good the way it is. And they've also and uh, that same person also has, I think, like an artificer, and uh, goodness, and I think they did a tempest, hmm. or was it like some kind of poisoner? No, it was an it was an alchemist. It was okay. an alchemist specialization, which I thought was really cool. Uh, it was about making you know like making little bombs and do it really working really well with poisons. Um, but Rift Mage and Dragon Age Inquisition does have a few abilities that make sense. Does have involve a few abilities that make sense for a Force Mage to have. They've got like, they Veil Strike is pretty much Fist of the Maker, uh, mm-hmm. and they have Pull of the Abyss, which is a straight up thing that the Force Mages get. Um, it could be argued that they share a lot of magical techniques. Uh, to make it feel more like a Rift Mage, it would probably need some more abilities that specifically weaken foes and use that weakness to restore yourself or boost damage dealt to weakened foes. So sort of like a mix between an Entropy Specialist and right. a Force Mage. Exactly, yeah. Uh, you could, If you played a Force Mage and did Entropy Magic, you probably get pretty much the same thing. Uh, to, to a degree. Um, and of course, Andy also had an excellent suggestion on the boards. So recommend looking at that. It's in the same thread as the last uh, as the last episode was posted in, if you'd like to go see it. And uh, secondly, Dragon Age Inquisition has a few different creatures that are broadly similar in size, but we have no stats for yet in our pen and paper game. I'm talking about Gurgits, Vargists, Lurkers, and, Fe- and the Phoenix. I designed some Gurgit stats. In your experience, do these seem right? How would you modify them and their special stunts to represent other creatures? I'm particularly interested in Vargas, as I'm soon to sick them on my PCs. Uh, spoilers for anybody in Parsifal's game. <laughs> Gotta watch out. Parsifal's coming for you. Uh, but here are his little, here is our Gurgit friend. I kind of like it. It's It looks like a more of a moderate, maybe creeping up into major threat. Probably closer to moderate, because it's not super powerful, but it does I'd give have that a, a solid moderate. It's, it's a nice, solid chunk of health, and it's got a little bit of armor. Not very quick, uh, but it has us have a lovely swallow hole stunt, which Oof. is a little terrifying. I like that it costs five stunt points because uh, that's kind. It it it's it shouldn't it's, cost any less. That's right. for sure. It's definitely worth all five of those stunt points. Um, the Gurgit looks solid. Um, it gives some low level heroes some trouble, but you know once they start creeping up into like five, six, seven level, it'd probably be a decent fight for them. Uh, they might by that point you probably want to put more than one in there. Um, the Gurgit webbing stunt looks like it kind of got cut off at some point. Did you mean to put more text into it? Just Gurgit webbing, 3 AP, all over. No, that that might need a little bit of clarifying. Right. Um, I imagine that you probably had something for it, maybe like a copy and paste, something happened and it just got lost. But if you feel, if you ever want to adjust it, please, please do. Um, if you wanted to use the Gurgit as kind of like a template to design the other creatures, you probably could. They're not too dissimilar. They're all kind of part of like this dragony family. Um, Vargasts would definitely have a stunt that mirrors their hunting patterns of dragging their prey back to their lairs for their young. Uh, lurkers would have to be much more dexterous and have a paralytic poison spit and probably lower strength. And then Phoenixes should have a stench ability that weakens foes and increases if there is more than one Phoenix in the area. Which would be my suggestions. Man, 
I've heard many myths about phoenixes, but the, the fact that they smell bad is new to me. Yep, that's a, it's a very Dragon Age kind of phoenix. Gross. The, uh, the Orlesians like to think they're a lot more, uh, a lot more poetic than they always are. Stonk birds. Stonk birds. Um, so, of course, thank you again, Parsifal. Uh, we appreciate the, con- the continued contributions. We hope to look, we look forward to some more in the future. Um, and, of course, to those who are listening out there, if you have a question about the Dragon Age RPG, whether it's mechanics, build suggestions, questions about lore, clarifications about old episodes, or anything else, send a message to Podcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud accounts, or send a personal message to Cot the Protector or Healer Puff in the Green Running forums, or send a Cot- message to Cot or Lace <laughs> on the D20 radio forums. That's us. That's us. Send a Cot. Don't, don't send one. I mean, it depends on what cot we get. Do we get a person, or do we get something to sleep on? Because I would not. Oh, they're mind not the sending a person. I hope not. We don't need a cot. <laughs> we don't have room. We don't have. We a have room. a tiny house. We have a very tiny house. Please don't send us a cot. Um, I don't see. We probably couldn't even fit a regular cot in here. Um, but thank you all for your contributions. Uh, right. Um, we're going to skip the distant verses this time. We haven't really got anything to show. We'll probably, maybe we'll drum something up for next time. Uh, but of course you can find all of our distant verses submissions and more, uh, archived on our resources for your game page on our blog. One is the thetis podcast.wordpress.com. And, and you can, the, the spiel. you can go to all those other places we just talked mm-hmm. about to send us stuff. Please do. We like, we like sharing stuff. So, uh, I think we, uh, are, uh, trying to think of a good segue and it's just not happening well i guess we're gonna have to force it welcome to the main topic is it fate or chance i can never decide you're welcome (laughs) thank you so you're a force mage uh, turn to page 66 of the core rulebook. You can see the spec for yourself. Uh, this is a battlefield control specialization for mages, allowing you to push, pull, and slow down foes with your force mage-only spells. Uh, while most mages will pull on the power of the elements, the cycle of life and death, or call spirits for aid, force mages use raw magical power, practically pummeling their foes with the veil itself. They don't have a lot of damage potential unless used in clever ways, but they are peerless in terms of battlefield control. Oh, yes. Um, this is a curious specialization because it's only showed up in one game, uh, and it was the one new specialization that came out in Dragon Age 2. Um, so, speaking of that, who in the universe has this spec? Honestly, practically nobody. Nobody in canon, really. Uh, the only people who could potentially have it in canon are Hawk, uh, and Hawk's sister Bethany, uh, after the Deep Roads Expedition adventure. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which means you and your PCs are just going to have to make your own legends, aren't you? Man, darn. Darn. You hate doing that. Got all, you've got no examples to work with, so you're just going to have to be the example yourself. Doesn't mean it just means that you don't have any, uh, you don't have any, um, like, expectations or any, uh, any shoes, any big shoes to fill. You get to build the shoes. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing, I'm forcing this too much. We should move on. Hey, you can't take my joke. <laughs> How do you unlock this spec? Oh, don't even. Uh, this is probably one of the easier specs to get into. Uh, you only mm-hmm. need a magic and a willpower of three each. 
uh, and nothing else. Hopefully, as a level 6 or a level 14 character, you've got at least a 3 in both. That said, if you're playing a game where you rolled badly, or mm-hmm. if you're playing with like a point-by system, uh, bear in mind that magic and willpower are both primary stats. So getting them both high enough could be kind of difficult uh, by level 6. As opposed to specializations like Arcane Warrior or Blood Mage that have a secondary ability as one of the abilities you need a level 3. Yes. Or at 3. That said, you know, hopefully you wanted to do something like this from the beginning and tried to find a way to plan for it. If you're doing... I hope you did. Right. If you're just rolling for abilities straight, you may have a harsher harsher, uh, world to deal with in that case. But if you did like a point buy, you're probably sitting pretty. For those two abilities, mm-hmm. you, you might should have not... at least twos in them at yeah. start, so you sh- getting them to three should be very doable. Yes. You've only got three advancements to spend uh, by the time you get to level six, just at level two, level four, and level six. And if you've been planning on dumping your willpower, stop that. Stop it. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. It's not a good idea, especially if you want to cast the real magics. Oh, man. Uh, so, as for where you can learn it, Force Mage is not especially forbidden, esoteric, or a dangerous form of magical practice, so you can likely learn about the spectrum tomes within the Circle of Magi, or even find teachers in the same places you would find tomes. Um, this would be one of the specs that I would personally consider to be an always available spec for mages, alongside Blood Mage. Because, hmm. <laughs> you know, the blood's always there if the you want to take just, advantage you know, of it. You just need a little more power, right? Uh, special note, if you live in Kirkwall, Force Mages seem to be especially common there. Uh, so it is much more likely that a ma- as a mage you will, uh, that a mage you meet there has that spec. So it's a great place to find tomes and trainers for that spec. Now, uh, what does this spec do? Um, it, you, you throw people all over the place. <laughs> you push them, you pull them, you squash them. It's pretty cool. Uh, the first two degrees give you spells. The master degree gives you a special ability. Um... At the novice degree, you gain the first spell, Fist of the Maker. And this, this is, is the standard. This, this is, is your bread and butter spell. Pick people up and, scr- and, you, and you squash them. Uh, you crush everyone within a blast of force that is 4x4 four four squares uh, from up to 24 yards away. Um, now, it does likely mean everyone. The spell says that those caught in the blast are affected, although earlier text in the spell mentions crushing enemies... You may, which the rulebook also points out that if a spell mentions uh, allies or enemies, you generally just assume that it's people your your caster wants to hit. Um, you may have to talk to your GM as to whether or not this spell in particular um, can be can incur friendly fire or not. Yeah, the wording is a bit vague, so talk to your it GM. Is. Uh, it is a very cheap spell to cast. It only costs five mana. It is a target number fifteen, which is. Not middling. super steep. It's difficult for a level 6 character. Right, right. A little tricksy to do, but very definitely very cheap. Um, especially for a spell with a target number that high. Uh, it allows a constitution, and if, of course if you have the journeyman degree of the, sp- the spirit magic talent, it costs 4 mana. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows a constitution stamina test to resist, and folks who fail take penetrating damage and are knocked prone, as a magical wave of force just thrusts them all into the ground. Those who pass are knocked prone, but don't take the damage. Unless they're guardian, and then you just get to glare at them. <laughs> right. Uh, the damage is only a d6, but of course that can be increased with stunts. Mm-hmm. Um, and guaranteeing that your foes are knocked prone can be quite useful for a number of reasons. Um, for, like, you can your foes will get bonuses to attack them while they're prone. 
Uh, they have to spend a minor action to perform a move action to stand up, and they can only move half speed on that same action if they do. This can rob them of some of their action economy, which can buy you and your allies some time in situations with large groups of enemies who don't start their turn next to you. Um, I would also like to point out that it is while it is only a D6, that is a D6 of penetrating damage. It's true. So it's not... You know, it, it's going to do something to, to everybody. Like, Absolutely. When, assuming they take the damage. Again, they're not a guardian. If they're a guardian, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Technically, uh, it's a, I suppose we should clarify in our games, we rule that anything that would mirror, that makes the same thing as a skirmish or a knock-prone stunt happen. Mm-hmm. Then... Well, this also literally says they're knock-prone. Right. This but is kind of hard to argue against. It's true. The Guardian's talent does say that it's like protects you from the stunt, but in our game we just, if it would knock you prone, Guardian protects that you That sounds from an it. awful lot like uh, nitpicking. Mm, it is a little nitpicky. And it makes the Guardians really cool. Well, <laughs> it, makes that, it makes that a useful ability instead of a really extremely situational ability. Mm-hmm. Which I'm always in favor for. Yeah. Making it a bit bigger. Um, let's see. At journeyman degree, you take, you gain the telekinetic burst spell. The spell pushes targets away from a given point you designate within 24 yards. The spell is less ambiguous about who it affects, simply saying that those caught inside are affected, so you may have to watch out for friendly fire with this spell. Yeah, that, that means everybody. This one's got much more exacting, uh, much more exacting language. Uh, the, yep. the spell affects a 4x4 four four square area and pushes targets to the nearest edge of the spell, which personally I interpret as being outside that 4x4 four four area, uh, and just like to the square outside of the area, and mm-hmm. then knocks them prone. Uh, the spell also only costs 5 mana, uh, and it is the same target number. And it's Not a, bad. Yeah, and it takes a strength might test to resist it. Telekinetic Burst does not deal damage unless the burst pushes a target into a wall or another hazard. This is one of the spells that makes Force Mage very valuable in fights that involve hazards like cliffs, spider webs, <laughs> or other hazards that can affect people in fights. You can also use this to push enemies into the lingering spells of yourself or your allies. Spells like Tempest, Inferno, Blizzard, Death Cloud come to mind, along with auras like Miasma, Wrath of the Elven, or even Glyph spells. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the spell before it, anyone who is hit by the spell, whether or not they, re- uh, regardless of whether they resist it or not, is knocked prone. This can be just as useful for as Fist of the Maker, especially if they are pushed. This can make it take longer for them not only to get to you, but remove themselves from any hazardous, but uh, make it harder for your foes to remove themselves from hazardous areas you might have just pushed them into. Um, and if you throw your target into a solid object, uh, the GM will be the final arbiter as to whether they blast through the object or stop and take damage from it. Uh, they mentioned that a wooden wall would hurt for a d6 damage, while a stone one might be for 2d6 damage. And I could see, like, a spiked wall doing right. even more damage. Oh, yeah, or, totally. You know. uh, this can be pretty obnoxious to foes who are cramped in a cramped hallway, being thrown into walls and taking damage while also falling prone. Hmm. Yeah, cramped spaces make this... Uh... Both unfair and extremely useful. Extremely Depending aggravating. on which side of it you're on. Right, right. Oh, yeah. Uh, as the journeyman degree of the talent, you gain the spell telekinetic burst, which means you now qualify for the spell Pull of the Abyss. Um, now, Pull of the Abyss you do not get for free as part of the specialization. You have to actually take the spell when you would normally gain a, spirit, gain a spell, um, whether that's for leveling up or taking the spirit magic talent. We recommend this spell, as it not only rounds out the abilities of the Force Mage, it is quite useful, like its required spells. Pull of the Abyss is a cheap spell, considering it is a bit more difficult to cast. 
Uh, it is a target number 17, but only costs 8 mana. That's a bit rough. That 17 hmm. is... It is not easy. Um, Sorry, this, we and, have uh, a little cat. We do have a tiny cat. We have many animal companions with us today. One's taking a nap. One's a little fidgety. Oh, a little gal. Uh, now, uh, Pull of the Abyss is actually a 6x6 six six area. Uh, and targets inside are pulled as close to the center of that area as possible. Those affected also cannot run, reduce their speed by 6, and take a minus 2 penalty to tests to attack or cast spells, all for one round after the spell hits them. And that's that's pretty rough. It oh, moves this is a solid spell. Yeah, it moves people around, and it also gives them like 4 debuffs if they fail to resist. If they do resist, they still take a minus 1 penalty to attacks and spellcasting rules. Um, Which isn't much, but hey, I mean, right. it's nice that something even happens on it. Yeah, you, you still get something to happen. Uh, mm -hmm. um, this is a clever buff, a debuff that is bundled with a controlling effect. You can get this as early as level 8, because you learn a new spell at the same time as the journeyman degree of the spec then. But or boy, <laughs> be careful if you're level right. 8 and you're trying to do something with a target number 17. Yes, be careful. If you're levels, if you get the, if you took it as your second spec, uh, then you'll get the journeyman degree of the talent at level 16. And then you'll get a spell and a talent next level. That would be the next earliest that you could take the spell. You'd mm -hmm. probably be a lot safer by that point. But, you know, go get them. If you're level 8, go get them. Cast the big target number 20, 17 spells. At the Master Degree, your Mastery over Magical Force grants you the ability to stand firm against effects that would move you. Uh, if you are affected by Skirmish or Knock Prone Stunts, you can spend 2 mana points to resist a Knock Prone Stunt... Uh, and one mana point per stunt point spent to resist a skirmish stunt. Now, you probably don't have to spend enough mana points to completely negate a skirmish stunt, but I, I, I thought about this a while ago and figured mm -hmm. it might come up. Uh, you can spend as much MP as you would like to avoid moving. So if a foe spends a whopping five stunt points to move you five squares, you can elect to spend three, three mana points to avoid moving three of those squares, thereby only moving two. There you go. And um, like we did with the Guardian, I could definitely see a case being made for being able to spend mana to avoid, like, other effects that would otherwise knock you prone or move you. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if the only difficult... I guess it would be two for knock prone pretty much mm -hmm. whenever. Yes. With Skirmish, I guess it would be the number of squares they would move you. So, yeah, I could yeah. easily see that being used, totally. made to include other effects. Uh-huh. I agree. So, uh, how does this spec complement this one? Well, others... That, mm, I know, right, yeah. How does this spec complement other specs? Or how do other specs complement this one? This uh, one can't really complement itself. I went halfway through both sentences. Um, we got there, it's okay. Going down the list, uh, start with Arcane Warrior. Uh, as a caster that goes into melee engagements, having some crowd control can help you pick and choose who you're fighting and when. Uh, you, can you can push foes away to isolate weaker ones. Or get all of the enemies coming to coming to you to keep them off your allies or bring them into your aura spells while having the armor and weapons to make such engagements not immediately fatal for a mage. Yeah, Arcane Warrior is an extremely strong combo with uh, Force Mage. Mm -hmm. Nothing like just getting in there and whirling everybody around and oh, yeah. whacking away at things. Could uh, probably even like put yourself in the middle of a pull of the abyss, especially if you uh, got enough if you got enough strength to, uh, or even maybe your GM has already said that you can resist your own spell. Or I guess if you put yourself inside a force field and then cast pull of the abyss on your around yourself. That's true. I don't know. I can't remember if that would be 
affected or not by force field. Because okay, so I think force field protects you from out from uh, upcoming spells. Spells that are effects. Okay, spells that do not, that cause, do not direct cause direct damage, damage still affect the subject yeah. normally. So you would still get knocked around. Mm, right. But you could, could negate it if you were a master, I guess. Right. Yeah. Could get pricey. Get rid of it. Let's see, and then. Uh, Next would be Blood Mage. Mm-hmm. Blood Mage, honestly, that may, that spell go that specialization goes with anything. At anything that doesn't want to be allowed to walk around in the daylight. I mean, yeah, it's I true. Mean, if you want to be a member of polite society, it doesn't really go with anything. That said, if you want to be dark and bloody and broody, then and be a control freak on the battlefield, you know. Yeah, that is true. This... Blood Mage just gives you more control. Yeah, you could, you could like, you know, it just, mind, mind, uh, what's it called, blood slave? Blood slave, Move yeah. them to the right position, and then the ones that you don't move to the right position, you can smoosh there, and Ooh. that's a lot of battlefield uh, control could, for one you mage. Could, you could do pull of the abyss and pull everyone close, honestly, you don't even have to pull people that close to use, like, a blood wound spell on them, because it, it hits a huge area. Blood wound is mean, but even then, you know, you could it, for enemies who are getting too far away for you to hit with your blood wounds. If you've got like fast casting spells, you could pull up the abyss, get them closer, and then blood wound them all. And that's, ooh, that's mean. That's yeah, mean. Pretty bad. Uh, let's that's see. probably a uh-huh. decent villain. Oh yeah, and of course, blood mage just means you've got a lot of mana. Yep. And also that you're probably not a super per, a person with a lot of scruples. You may have slightly fewer scruples than your average mage. Mm-hmm. Just be careful with that. Heads up. Uh, Keeper. The spells can actually have a little bit of synergy with Keeper. Because mm-hmm. wrath, like with Wrath of the Elven, which is an aura spell. You can use your Pull of the Abyss, or you can use your... Uh, probably more likely you'd use your Telekinetic Burst to push enemies into your... Let's yeah. say into your Wrath of the Elven. Well, the reason Wrath of the Elven works so well for us is mm-hmm. because you gave me the an item that gives it a boost. Yes. So that it adds my full magic on a failed on a failed test and half on a pass test. Yes. Because that spell needed a boost. It's, it does need a boosty. It's not the most powerful spell. Right. It's nice to have up, I guess, and it works very well for an arcade warrior who's going to be in the fight anyway. That's true. It's a nice little boosty for them. Um, but with the ensnare spell, you now have the ability to not only push and pull your enemies, but to root them to the spot. Actually, is that I, right? No, I don't think so. Or is that just pull them closer? I to believe you? it just pulls them closer. I think if you want to be able to root people to the spot, you need to be uh, using the uh, wood arcana from oh. fantasy. Right. Age, or I guess you could we... cast pit. I mean, that's really the funniest or bit. Petrify. Like uh, get them all, in, in, like get everyone together, fast cast, pit. What was that other one? Down they go. About? No, it, there was another one where you can where you just like pull somebody into the ground. Was it? I want to say it was Hungry Earth. Maybe it was Shape Earth. No. Stones embrace. That's there it. it is. Earth swallows up and traps the feet of a number of enemies equal to your magic ability within thirty yards. So that would be a good. So that would be the this. way to go, and honestly, that's very in line with the keeper. It it's is very primal. Keeper, keepers are primal mages. Hmm. Um, next is necromancer. The spell, the necromancer and the force mage don't really mechanically support each other much. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but they're both spirit magic based specs, so your spirit magic talent is going to make all your spells relatively cheap. I mean, it'll reduce it all by one. Right. Well, and you'll also, you know, that frees you up on your focuses and such and your mm-hmm. talents to it's true. just work on spirit, which is not a bad idea, but, yeah. you know, there are probably a couple other things you could do. Potentially, yeah. Uh, Shapeshifter doesn't have too much to work with with a force mage. Because you can't cast spells when you're shapeshifted. Although I had to admit that when I thought about it, using a fast cast to put to telekinetic burst enemies closer to you and then immediately turn into a bear had a, had an appeal to me. I mean, I'm very down for that. The idea of pulling people towards you and then suddenly bear. Bear. Surprise. Bear. 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 Surprise bears. <laughs> but, eh. Yeah. Other could... other than the the comedy element. Right. It's yeah. Probably not the best combo. Shapeshifter usually kind of stands alone on what it does. That said, I mean, warrior. it would give you two separate options for combat. You could it's true. be waiting in as a bear or stand mm-hmm. on the outside right. and move everybody around. Maybe when you're, yeah, it could be good when, like, there are groups of enemies, but your friends are in the middle of them, so using your spirit, so using your force mage spells would not be very helpful, but you could wade in and help with the fight. Mm-hmm. So, you could make it work. Uh, and then spirit healer, you could potentially be a very indelicate healer, pushing and pulling like your allies idea. around, so they're within reach of your healing spells. Uh, other than that, you could, this can make for an excellent support caster who's able to shape the battlefield to keep their allies alive. Yeah, that I think that's a really strong support combo. I liked it. And again, keeps you, well, I mean, there's some creation involved too, but there's definitely a spirit element to the spirit mm-hmm. healer. So. Definitely. I think that that's a good good combo and probably so. one that I would have gone for if the character hadn't been, you know, who she was. A Dalish elf. Yeah. Who Already, was a, a you know, in line to be a keeper. You know, it was it was it was inevitable. Yeah, that probably would have been the combo I would have gone for for a support caster. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess a couple of closing remarks about the spec. Uh, this is a spirit magic based specialization, so getting the spirit magic talent is quite helpful at making the specs, uh, making the spells cheap. Um, and make the spell, like, and these spells are already pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. Save yourself a bit more mana. Always uh, a good idea. And other thematically appropriate spells would be things like Mind Blast. <laughs> the Fall Down. Force Field. Telekinetic Weapons. Telekinetic Weapons. Creators help you. Crushing Prison. Glyph Spells. Uh, Repulsion Field. Or Levitate. Those are all particularly useful. Keep in mind that Most glyph spells are creation-based, and hence will need a different uh, a different focus to be mm-hmm. able to cast them really effectively. It's that true. said, there are a couple that do some really, like glyph of repulsion is what I'm thinking That's of. exactly what I think we were going for. It, that's very, very force mage appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, but it does require you to take glyph of warding and glyph of paralysis, which are also helpful. They're not bad. But glyph of repulsion is very force mage. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a good spell, mm-hmm. and very appropriate to your crowd control intent. Definitely. Let's see. Um, this is a spec that can really benefit from the PCs and probably the players having chats about what they can do to help each other. As pushing enemies towards the warriors or away from the rogues to set up backstabs is quite helpful. It may be a good plan, good to plan ahead what kinds of maneuvers can be performed with a force mage, so the heroes can know how their mage friend can help shape the battlefield for their needs. This can also really help make the party feel more like a cohesive unit. Definitely, and encourage a certain amount of like cooperative tactical role play. Yeah. So it's a good it's a good spec for that. 
Oh, definitely. It's also a very good spec if you know that there are hazards present on the field that you can push or pull your enemies into. I kind of <laughs> like the idea yeah. of like somebody casting a pit spell and then casting Pull of the Abyss on top of it to pull a bunch of people into the pit. I like that. I thought that was pretty cool. That, that's a good choice. Or, you know, if you've got other mage friends who are casting Tempests and Infernos, like pushing bad guys into the spells for them. Mm-hmm. An excellent that. support for a, like a largely mage party. Definitely. Um, and so force mages should always be on the lookout for how to exploit their surroundings. Uh, and that does mean that GMs, you're probably going to have to think a little bit about what your surroundings look like because yeah. the force mage will probably be looking at them as well. Yeah. It, one of the great things about this specialization is that it allows a player to really get creative with what's around them. Definitely. So as a GM, make sure you are providing them with lots of little interesting hazards and hooks in which they can, uh, find opportunities to, you know, shape the battlefield the way they want to. Because mm-hmm. that's kind of the point of the of the specialization. This could also be a uh, spec that the GM could think about using telekinetic tricks of the Force Mage to perform less battle-worthy tactics, like pushing a door open from far away, or pulling down a drawbridge, or pushing and pulling objects that would be too heavy for a person to move. And this could be a really interesting, like, problem-solving mage spec. It could be. I could see it used for things like that, of course... You would have to be capable not to accident, uh, you know, careful not to accidentally like bust the door off its hinges. Yes. Or you know, push the bridge. If you've got like a nine magic, you might pull the drawbridge off of its hinges. Why you gotta? Why you gotta knock on the nine magic? <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. No. Why you gotta? Hate if on the somebody nine magic? had a nine magic, they might have to be careful. I don't see the problem. With just how magic. forceful their spells were. Um, so GMs, feel free to test your force mages' creativity. And give them opportunities to test their own creativity. Definitely. Yeah, it's a it's a great. It's a solid one. It's a really it's really good. I'm just very pleased by it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I you'll hope take other it for people your... get a chance to. Yeah, maybe you'll take it for your third spec. I might, might when she's you know, <laughs> level twenty bajillion. Oh yeah. Um. So thank you all again for joining us. This is a really cool episode. Force mages are a lot of fun. You should mm-hmm. go. You should definitely encourage your players to play one. Players. They're cool. They're fun. Do yeah, it. Yeah, you don't have to be doing damage to be having a good yeah. impact on the battlefield. Oh, definitely. And definitely let us know if and you come up with any sort of creative ideas for them, or if you mm-hmm. have any stories about your force mages, perhaps using thing using their environments to get a little crazy. Oh yeah. We love stuff like that. Oh yeah. Please share with us on Facebook or on our on Twitter or on any of our social media, or send or even you know share it uh, in an email or share it on the forums we frequent. We love to hear from folks about how much fun they're having with Dragon Age. Absolutely. So, I suppose we should sign off before we overextend that joke that you made. Yeah, the force joke Uh about force, because force mages Mm -hmm. and force powers. Yes. That joke. Uh Uh-huh. It's kind of a low-hanging fruit, but it's fun. I mean, what, what can you do? So, this is Ren wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. And this is Jessica, wishing you good heels and happy feels. Thanks for listening to the Ones of the Thetis podcast. We'll catch you next time. Have a good one.